Blessings, 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 blessings. Much love to you all. God bless you. Glad to see you here. Glad that you have tuned in to Bible Study Live. We pray that the Lord will bless you in all kinds of ways and you will have exactly what you need as uh, we begin to do the study today. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. We appreciate you for tuning in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you for all that you are, all that you mean. God, we ask that you would give us wisdom and clarity of thought, clarity of speech. We thank you, Father. Revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, uninterrupted, and unchecked by any satanic or demonic forces, and the people will be illuminated and blessed, and we will get something out of the study, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so on Sunday, we were working with this title, purposely spelled wrong, The Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. I'll say it one more time for clarity, The Four Seasons. And we were using that because it was a heavy, alliterated sermon, meaning that uh, alliteration is when you use the same letter over and over and over to prove a point. And so I used the letter C all throughout this uh, sermon to make points and things that would stick and it just happened to flow that way and so I called it the four seasons and spelled it wrong on purpose but then I wanted to uh, for uh, one minute spell it right but I wanted to uh, bring this uh, point up so seasons act actually equal cycle so the first c word we're using is the word cycles and so we spell seasons correctly here but seasons represent cycles. And so life is cyclical. Life goes in a cycle. And in the cycle of life and uh, the circle of life, there is both the positive and the negative. There is both the yin and the yang, the light and the dark. And once, once you understand that, very similar to uh, the, the seasons of our weather, that there are going to be some low times as well as some high times and well as some, you know, kind of indifferent times. And understanding that can help you brace yourself. For example, as we're uh, moving toward uh, the winter season here in Indiana, then having a coat, having uh, heat, having uh, a hat, maybe gloves, an ice scraper, you're preparing yourself for the season because you understand how the cycle of the seasons go. But spiritually and even emotionally, uh, life is very similar to the four seasons. And so I, I want us to look at this idea. This cycle is a cycle of dying, planting, blooming, harvesting. So there's going to be a period of things dying. There's going to be a period of, of planting, uh, the dying part and the planting part can be the most difficult. Um, the planting, you have to usually do a lot of digging, a lot of pulling up weeds and then planting and then watching over what is planted, watering what is uh, planted. And then there comes a blooming season. We usually enjoy the blooming season. And then there is a harvesting season and we usually enjoy the harvesting but it's usually on the heels of harvesting that the dying cycle begins to start all over again. So you can have uh, it, you can have a mode of things going positively and then be dealing with things that require stress or cause stress. You can be dealing with things that uh, seem to dry up your energy. And, and so you just kind of have to understand that so that it doesn't throw you too far off and you can learn to navigate it. Uh, another uh, simple way to say it is just to look at the real seasons, the winter, spring, summer, fall, those uh, seasons of things that, that we go through. It's quite easy when you live in a climate that doesn't have a lot of change. Um, or for those of us who see a lot of change, we feel like, man, it'd be nice to be in seven degree weather all the time. But I know people who are in that type of weather, they miss out on things. At Christmas, they miss out on being able to see snow. And so 
there are certain things and uh, seasons that are very um, individual, I would say. They're individual to you. And what you complain about, someone else might enjoy. A, a perfect example of that is something that happened to me several uh, several years ago on my honeymoon. Um, I remember being in the Caribbean Sea out on the ocean uh, on a snorkeling trip on a glass bottom boat. And the captain, who happened to be a, uh, a black man, he uh, with a very uh, thick bohemian accent, he uh, asked me where I was from, asked me and my wife where we were from. And we said, Indiana. Well, I said Indiana. And I was like, but there's nothing as beautiful as this in Indiana because we were just out on the ocean and it was just absolutely beautiful glass bottom boat where you could see the fish and all that and the mountains and the ocean because we were in St. Croix and the Virgin Islands. And he immediately corrected me and he was he, he said, I grew up here. This is normal to me. But he said, I was able to spend some time in Indiana a few years ago in the fall. And here we don't see the changing of the colors of the leaves. He said it was so beautiful to me to see the leaves and the, the colors of the leaves that you guys have. So never say where you are is not beautiful. It, it corrected me because I'm thinking, oh, that's just Indiana. That's nothing. It's nothing as beautiful as this Caribbean. But he was saying, hey, I've been where you are and there is beauty there. So I want to say this to us. There's beauty in our brokenness. There's beauty in our cycles. There's beauty in our seasons. And we like to escape, especially the seasons that are negative, trying, stressful. We like to quickly escape them. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to get out of things quick. That's just human. But many times we're missing the beauty in the cycle or the beauty in the season. Oh, I'll go back to it again, the winter, spring, the summer, the fall, or the dying, the planting, the blooming, and the harvesting. There is beauty in that, and so that's something for us to learn. So uh, that, that, that was kind of a setup uh, just to, to set things up, but really what I was getting at at this point here, and I'll, I'll bring it up, is the actual Four Seasons Hotel. And the idea of luxury hotels is the idea of comfort. It's, it's designed to be very comfortable. And uh, the higher you go up, the more you pay, the more comfort they are supposed to provide in, in, in every area. It's just, it's centered on comfort. It's called the hospitality industry. They're trying to be hospitable to a level that's really high, uh, that you shouldn't have to ask for things. You shouldn't have to call downstairs and ask for things. It should be right there. They should know what you want. High level of comfort. And so as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, first of all, the real seasons and then the hotel, the four seasons, it just brought me to this real truth that our personal comfort is not God's highest goal. It's not really... God's thing for us. Now, for the four seasons, that is their thing for comfort, comfort, comfort. But that's really not God's major goal for us. And so I, I decided to say it this way. In the kingdom of God, the focus is character over comfort. So in God, character trumps comfort. So it's not that God doesn't mind you being comfortable but he doesn't want comfort at the expense of your character. So he allows seasons of both up and down, good and bad. Uh, Paul said it this way. He said, I know how to be well-fed and hungry. I know how to abase and to abound. Uh, and he, he was talking about the different seasons and cycles he's been in, uh, both the highs and the lows. And then he adds at the end of that, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And most times when we quote that, we're just saying that, hey, I can do anything. God can help me do anything. But really the context what Paul was saying is I can go through good times and bad times because I have Christ. I know how to be hungry and I know how to be well fed. And I don't allow the ebbs and the flows of that to throw me out of, uh, out of, my conscious cycle. I don't allow the cycle to throw me out of cycle, 
because I understand that with Christ, I can do all things through Christ. So if I'm, if I have to walk through a season that is hard, a dying season, I can do it with Christ. If I'm moving in a blooming season, it's okay. I can do it with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As long as Christ has strengthened me, I can handle things. And it's always good to be a person that is even keeled, that, that even though life is up and down, that you're not up and down. You have a balance to yourself. You have a gravity to yourself. You know how to be, uh, you know how to not fly off the handle with every adjustment. Life throws many adjustments at, at us, even within the cycles. There are things you may be in a cycle of positivity, and then there's just a day, a week, a month that is just a month from hell. And you know how to look at that and say, okay, this is, this is difficult, but I've had 11 good months, so I'm not going to trip over one bad month. I'm, I'm learning how to... Uh, to go with the flow and, 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 and be even. So, so that, that is a, it's a, it's wisdom. It's part of the fruit of the spirit uh, the, the, the ability to suffer long, knowing how to walk in peace and joy and love. These are all the things that we are challenged with, but within these challenges, there is a goal. The goal is that our character is being built, that who we are at our core is growing and developing to the place where we have the ability to disciple others, which we talk about mainly in our Bible studies, that we are disciplined ones who can disciple other people. So in order for us to be able to help other people, we have to learn how to go through the seasons and the cycles of life and understand that maybe when I am uncomfortable, it is a part of God's will for my life. Not, not every portion of uncomfort is the will of God. Some of it is satanic attack. Some of, some of it is the consequences of our own mistakes. But then there are some things where you haven't done anything wrong. You're, you are doing everything you know to do, and you still are receiving what we would call negative results, or you're in a negative cycle. And sometimes that is the will of God for you because it is growing you for where you are going to be. We must remember that God sees the big picture. He sees the end goal. Uh, he speaks the end from the beginning. So he knows where you will end up. And so he will schedule things in your life that will help you for where you're headed, not necessarily for where you currently are. When God gave Joseph the dreams of things bowing down to him, those dreams, when he announced them, it scheduled a horrible season in his life. It scheduled hatred from his brothers. It scheduled him being sold into slavery, almost killed by his brothers. But one brother decided, no, let's just stick him in a pit. But eventually he got to the palace and the very thing God showed him, it came true. But God spoke the end from the beginning. And many times he doesn't tell you all the nooks, the crannies, the crevices that go in between. And if Joseph would have known, I'm going to be abandoned by my brothers, I'm going to be beat, I'm going to be sold into slavery, I'm going to rise, and then I'm going to get to Potiphar's house, and then his wife is going to lie on me, and then I'm going to end up in prison, and then the butler is going to forget about me for two years. If he knew all of that, he may have backed out on that walk, that journey. Now, he ended up in the palace. He ended up changing the fortunes of his family and the fortunes of Israel but the truth of the matter is, if God told us humans what we would really have to go through to get to where he's showing us, many of us would just back out because it's too uncomfortable. But God is concerned more with your character than your comfort. Now, this is not a C word, but this goes with today's lesson. He's really concerned about your destiny. And so he's not going to let you interrupt your destiny just because you're uncomfortable. He's going to try to force you to stay in the fire because of what it will produce in you in the long run. And that can be very difficult because uh, like Jeremiah talks about, we're on the potter's wheel and sometimes we just want to get off the wheel. I'm tired of uh, being crushed, tired of being broken. I'm tired of uh, always having to be the bigger person. I'm tired of this, that and the other. But many of those things build our character.
Now, let's let's just throw out with some C words, some of these character builders that I call um, circumstances, challenges, change, crucifixion. I'm going to start from the bottom up. Crucifixion is really and is uh, where we actually get the word crux. Crucifixion is the crux of the real Christian message. The gospel message is that God sent his son to die, but his son died not just a normal death. He died the death of crucifixion. He died a death where he was on display. He died the death that was not concerned about comfort. Now, when we have uh, what we call death penalties, today's age, they, they do what they call a lethal injection. They decided that is more humane that we will shoot something in you that's going to kill you, but you're not going supposed to experience a whole lot of pain. They used to be the electric chair, and then people thought that that was too much pain, so that they got it down. But back in the day of the Roman day, there was no such thing as worrying about your pain. We want to crucify you. We want to put you to public shame. We want to beat you. We want to hurt you. We want it to be excruciating. And so when we know that, Jesus did that for us. We can't be so weak that when it comes our turn to cruci- be crucified. Now, we're not talking about little crucif- crucifixion, nor are we talking about people walking over us and abusing us. Not, we're not talking about being sadistic, but we are talking about the things that we have to die to to be the person that God is wanting us to be. We have to die to our flesh. Sometimes we have to die to our attitude. Sometimes people say things to us. They're petty and they take shots at us. They say things and your quick tongue is ready to go back at them. And God tells you to hold your tongue. For us, that's crucifixion. That is dying to what we want to do. And there's a very important scripture that that, that comes up in the New Testament where Paul is uh, talking, I believe it's Paul, but it says that ye have not, uh, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but basically it says you have not suffered unto death. Yes, you have gone through things, you have uh, gone through challenges, but you haven't gone through the level that Jesus went through. So let's not be so weak that when we have to go through things that all we do is complain. Now, being human and having a relationship with God, there's going to be times where you complain or you say, God, it doesn't seem fair. There's nothing wrong with being honest with where you are. Uh, If you look at the Psalms, David was very, very honest. And some of those uh, things were complaints. You look at Job, when Job was talking, a lot of that was, uh, was complaints. So there is a time for that. But there is a season to, as they say, suck it up, buttercup. There's a season to realize, okay, this is what I have to walk through. God is not changing it. He's actually calling me to lean into it. So there's no need to me crying and pitying about it. I need to step in it and trust God to carry me through. I need to go through the crucifixion. I need to uh, take up my cross and follow God. I need to allow myself to be disciplined in these areas. I need to be in a a season of waiting and patience. I've prayed for something and it looks like it's a far way off. It's not going to show up right away. So I'm going to have to walk in the journey. I'm going to have to still praise God, still love people. So the more more grateful you are for your end goal, which your end goal is God's got heaven for you. Heaven your, uh, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. When you understand that, then you re- really begin to understand that there are certain things that I'm going through that are not worth me being stressed out and walking away from God because certain things aren't going right. I'm going to have to deal with it because at the end of the day, my reward is great. So there's crucifixion. Then there's change. Just simple changes can be challenging, uh, and build character in you. The change of seasons, the, the change of uh, COVID brought severe change, changed the way our life works. Um, the September 11th attacks, it brought change to the way we uh, travel and do a- airports. It brought change and change can be stressful. Change has uncertainty. 
Change can be challenging, but change is a part of life. So let's not get so complaining that every time we have to deal with change, we act like we can't handle it. You're going, you're going to have to just take some things because it's building you. And then, of course, there's challenges, which comes in all kinds of forms. And then there's just circumstances, just things that you cannot control, things that are outside of your control, things that have happened, that happened to you, and you just have to deal with. Circumstances can uh, easily be spoken of things that people around you have done. When you are married and you have a spouse and your spouse is not vibing with you, they can really interrupt a lot of things and bring a lot of circumstances into your life. Uh, you, you have people who uh, struggle in what they call sexless marriages, not because that's what they desire, but the desire of their spouse is so low that they can't connect the way they want to connect. And now that creates a circumstance, a challenge. There, nobody wants to be married and celibate, uh, forced upon them. So th things like that happen. Or there, there are things where uh, one spouse is horrible with money. And now I'm in debt, not because I chose to do something, but my spouse chose to do something. Now we all are suffering. Or the kids did something. I have a child that made some mistakes, and now we're going down to the courthouse, and now we're visiting a child in jail. Many times, other people can bring circumstances into your life, and that is very hard. That is very uncomfortable, because at the end of the day, I didn't do this, but the person I'm connected to did. That's why you have to be very careful who you connect to, because if you connect with the right person, you're still going to go through circumstances. The right person that God has for you is still going to bring challenge into your life because God is developing both people. But if you get with the wrong person, it's going to exacerbate that. It's going to multiply that times 10. So you have to be very careful who you connect to. So having said all that, one of the things that I have to be careful of in teaching this kind of message is that you don't get under the impression that things will never change. Just because heaven is my goal doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a piece of heaven here on earth because there are certain things we do not need in heaven. I don't need debt freedom in heaven. I'm going to need debt freedom here. So even though you are in challenging times, times that are building your character, I don't want you to ever stop believing and pressing and leaning into better days because the promises of God, they are both yes and amen in Christ. And so what you have to do is you have to, and my book talks about that, you have to have a lifestyle of worship that says, God, I'm worshiping you where I'm at, but I'm believing you for where I'm going, that my destiny is going to pay off, just like in Joseph's case. And so I'm not looking at this as if this will never change. When I, when I get into the pity party, maybe I'll stay there momentarily, but I'm shaking myself out of that because I know the God that I serve is not going to leave me in a place that's damaging me. It's going to build me, but it's not to damage me. And here's the thing about trials. When trials go beyond their expiration date, they start de damaging you instead of growing you. And we don't want you in something so long that it's no longer building you. It's actually eroding you and tearing you down. So having said that, I brought this up Sunday. Comfort is not to totally cease. And this is where I'm really trying to take us to is that, yes, God wants character over comfort, but that doesn't mean comfort is supposed to totally stop. That doesn't mean you're supposed to never have a a good break or never have a good day, never be able to have uh, what you say, man, I got blessed. And some Christians are so heaven focused. They act like we're just supposed to be poor mouth, broke, busted, disgusted here on earth. And that honors God. It can honor God for a season if you're learning a lesson, but it's not a prolonged season. If you look at scripture, God was always promising them better days that yeah, I may have to punish you, but I'm going to turn it around. And so we have to get that in our mindset. Yes, I'm going through something and I'm willing to go through it for my character, 
but I don't want to stay in it a day longer than what God wants because I believe that there's a connection between God and comfort. I believe there's such thing as godly comfort. And so having said that, this is where we get to our first actual um, verse. And so let's put this verse up here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So the comfort that we seek, and it says he's the God of all comfort. So that means there could be a counterfeit comfort that comes from Satan. And so the reason why God is building your character is so you don't fall for the counterfeit comfort and you begin to look to the God of all comfort. In other words, I want to be comforted in the way that God wants me to be comforted because when I'm comforted in the way God wants me to comfort, it doesn't jeopardize my character. So let's look at verse four. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, all means all, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so this gives us the aha moment and shows us really the point. It's not just to build our character, but it's to build our character in such a way that we press into the comfort from God and then we learn the lessons and we're able to administer comfort to someone else. Jesus specifically said to Peter, Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for you that your faith fail you not. And then he doesn't say if you are converted. He says when you are converted, strengthen your brother. So many times the harshest challenges are reserved for God's greatest people because he wants you to use that to in turn bless other people. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so God is comforting us so that we can take that comfort and comfort someone else. So the challenges that you face, you should be able to shorten it in the people that you mentor. It took you four years to get that situation turned around. Took you four years to get out of debt. You should be able to cut that down to two years for that next person because you've learned the lessons. You you received the comfort from God and the wisdom, and you were you were like, man, if I if I would have known that, man, I wouldn't have had to stay in it this long, or if I would have known that, man, the divorce wouldn't have taken me so long to get over. So now I use what I know and I help the next person. In other words, we become the extension of God in the earth for other people. We become disciple makers. We, we are God's disciples to disciple other people. And so many times the challenges that you are going through is just to prove to you, you are one of my leaders. And I want you to take this and bless other people. If you look at the apostles, they went through extreme challenges. The, the, the majority of them were martyred and many of them in crazy ways. But you come down to the level I am as a pastor. I don't have to die in order for uh, the message of God to go forth. I get to use the Internet. I get to use a pulpit. I get to uh, use all kinds of things. But someone paid that the sacrifice and the price. Number one, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. But if you look at the church history, then other people pay sacrifice. Even Paul, Paul went through all kinds of crazy things. But you, you see, as it goes down generations, the sacrifice is not as heavy because we learn from the next person. And so that's really the goal that God has. So let's put this up so that we can kind of uh, get to moving a little bit. If you continually compromise your character for comfort, your life could careen out of control. So, so here's the thing. The reason why God wants you to stay in things so that you can learn and be comforted by him and also pass it on to the next person is because the adverse is happening simultaneously. Many times what people are doing and they're passing this on to other people is they're just losing control. They just start compromising in order to be comfortable. Um, many of people have had stressful things happen, and so they turn to Southern comfort. They turn to alcohol and then they just drink their problems away. But then they are passing a new problem on to their child because now I can't interact with my dad because he's always drunk. 
And now that spirit of alcoholism goes into the family. So that's not what God wants. He wants it to be the other way around where we go through things, receive the comfort of God, and we pass that on to the next generation. So we always need to remember this. If you continually compromise your character for comfort, your life could careen out of control. So here's the question for us then. How can we gain comfort without jeopardizing our calling? So the answer to that is we seek the comfort of God first and foremost. And we ask ourselves the question, this comfort that I'm going after, will it jeopardize my calling? Will it jeopardize my character? Now, we we are human, so there there are slip ups, there's mistakes, but prolonged patterns can be very bad. And even if we had a prolonged pattern and we got out of that, we need to use that. Hey, the reason why you should not have an affair is because I, I did it and it's not good. It, it, it's not worth what you think it's worth. You, you, you have to take those losses and make them lessons for other people. That's how we redeem things. That's why we call it a testimony. And sometimes our mess becomes a message. And, and God really uses people to help when they're able to, to tell people that. So, so the goal is... I can't jeopardize my calling just to be more comfortable. There's a lot of things that I could do to be more comfortable. I could really not be doing this, doing what I do. But my calling is a pastor. But at this season of life, I really feel like it's important to invest everything back into the ministry. So that means I've got to work, sometimes work like a dog, and I've got to juggle both things. That is not comfortable. It's not comfortable to finish um, Bible study here, rush home, try to grab a bite to eat, and then off to work and work all night. And then many times in the morning have to have meetings and, and praying for people. That, that That's not comfortable. But to just throw away my calling to be more comfortable, it's not worth it. One thing I've learned is that you can be miserable trying to be comfortable. You chase after the wrong kind of comfort and you end up being miserable because you jeopardize your calling. And it's really in your calling where you find satisfaction. So even though it is difficult, I cannot lie and say what I do is not difficult. It is difficult. It is challenging, but I find great satisfaction in it. I do things and I am shocked that I'm able to do it because of the satisfaction that I find. I had a, a friend of mine asked me yesterday because because uh, on normally on the third Wednesday we have union meetings at my job and so what I I will do I stay to all three of the union meetings because I'm a chaplain so I work all night Tuesday night into Wednesday morning and then I stay all day Wednesday until about 4 p.m. and then I travel home get home about five usually shower and go straight and do Bible study so that means I am up and so my friend asked me, he's like, How do you do that? I said, Number one, I do know that on those days I don't have to go in that night. So all I gotta do is get through to Bible study, and Bible study actually energizes me. And so even though sometimes I am pushing myself twenty four hours, when I get in my calling, when I step in the building, it blesses me. It energizes me because this is what I was born to do. Now I'm doing the General Motors thing, but that's not really what I was born to do, called to do. This is what I'm called to do. So it energizes me. And so I want you to be very careful trading in things for comfort because you'll find out what you're chasing might actually make you miserable because it's not what you're called to do. And once you stay with what you're called to do, even though it's challenging, you'll find pleasure in those things. The psalmist said, as the deer panted for the water, but so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. So even though it's challenging, it's something beautiful about being able to worship God. And then also it dawns on me that there's no way my challenge can mirror up to God's challenge for me. He died for me, took all the sin of the world for me so I can go through some uncomfort for the sake of the call. So having said that, 
let's get back to that, that uh, question again. How can we gain comfort without jeopardizing our calling? And so this is where I really came up with the four C seasons and here. It's four C words that God uses to help you create comfort in chaos. I didn't mention this on Sunday, but I used the word create purposely. It's four C words that God uses to help you create. One of the things that's beautiful about God is that God is creative, but you are born in the image of God, the likeness of God, and God is inside of you. And what God wants to prove to us is that we can actually do what he did when he saw chaos in the garden. Well, actually, before it was the garden in, in the world, in the beginning, he actually created order out of chaos. And God wants to show us that we can create comfort even in chaotic situations. And sometimes he allows the chaos to come, the lies on you to come, the attacks to come, not because he's mad at you, but to show you how powerful you are, how creative you are by using his word, how you can look at a challenge and just decide, I'm not going to let it mess up my day. And you can really overcome. And it's not just spiritual people. There are people who are natural humans who are able to do that. Athletes do it all the time. There are athletes who, uh, I'll give you an example of Kobe Bryant, who actually broke and dislocated his finger in the game. And they still needed to win. And they were like, well, we'll take you out and fix your finger. He's like, no, I'm playing. And he played with a broken finger. He was able to shut the pain down because he's like, I'm focused on something. If a man can do that for a sport, what do you think we can do in the kingdom of God with angels assisting us and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? We, God is trying to teach us we can create many times the life that we want out of adverse, negative situations, extreme attacks, trouble on every side. God wants to show us that we have power in this life realm to create the seasons that we need. So here, here's the first one that we're going to go to. Confidence. Confidence. So in chaos, one of the things that you can do is you can create and maintain confidence. Because you're not looking at the immediate, you're looking at the long term. Long term, I'm going to get heaven. Long term, God has promised some things that are going to happen. Yes, I haven't seen them yet, but I'm confident. As one scripture says, and it's Philippians 1, 6, being confident that he which began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Well, I wasn't the one who told me to start a business. God, you were the one who told me to start a business. It started, and now it looks like it's failing, but my confidence is it's you. So, God, I'm putting my faith and my hope in you, and I'm about to go out there confident. I'm about to face the world confident. I'm going to dress confident. I'm going to act confident. I'm going to speak confident. Even if I'm shaking in my boots, you'll never know it because I'm grabbing hold to confidence. And here's the scripture that we're going to use for that. Hebrews 10.35 says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, here is the secret. God just gave us the secret sauce, and I'm going to put it side by side. The reason why you can have confidence, because it's not that it's not going to happen, it's just that it's not going to happen right away. So the only thing you need is endurance. And the Bible lets us know that in the fruit of the spirit, that is one of the fruit, long suffering, the ability to suffer long. So it says, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So you'll do the will of God. And let me open it up so you can see it more. You're going to do the will of God here. And then there's going to be the promise over here. In between, all you need is endurance. All you need is to outlast the enemy. You don't have to win every battle. You don't have to make every decision right. All you have to do is not quit. And so when you know the only thing you have to do is not quit, it gives you confidence because in the back of the book, we win. So all I got to do is outlast the enemy because I've done the will of God and now I'm waiting on the promise of God. I just got to outlast. I just got to 
make it. And it's okay. And the reason why I have confidence, because the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. So yes, I had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, but every day there's brand new mercy. Every day his faithfulness is still, still there. And if God won't quit on me, I don't have to quit on God. I can make it. So now I'm confident that I'm going to receive what God said I'm going to receive, even though it may be taking a while to manifest. All right, 39. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Let me uh, make it even more clear. But we, Deliverance Temple, we are not quitters. We don't draw back, but we believe to the saving of the soul. And then this wraps it up and makes it so clear. At the end of the day, we get salvation. So it, it'd be nice to get all the promises on this side of heaven. But the truth of the matter is, even if we don't, the fact that our soul is saved, we escape hell. We're able to be with our father forever and ever and ever and have access between heaven and earth. We already have one. All we have to do is outlast and not quit. And then, uh, Paul says it, but, or the writer of Hebrews says, but we are not, we're not the ones who draw back. We're the ones who believe to the saving of the soul. So we have confidence. All right, moving right along. So with confidence, you're going to need this. You're going to need courage. You're going to need courage. Second Chronicles 15, five, in those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. You read things like that in the Bible, but now that we've lived through it, where we lived through something that affected the entire globe, everybody was affected with COVID. And it's the first time I had seen it in my life. Normally, you read about stuff happening over there, but this is something that the entire globe. So there can be some disturbances that affect everyone, affect the whole city, affect the whole family, affect the whole globe, affect a whole church. So let's continue to read. They were broken in pieces. Nations, nation was crushed by nation, city by city. For God troubled them with every sort of distress. Now, in this case, this particular thing happened was allowed and sanctioned by God. Not everything is attacked from the enemy. Some things are God allowed. And here, this is thing said, this distress was allowed by God. Verse seven, but here's another but, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. So the promise is there are some things that are going to hit the land that's going to affect the entire land. And it has to happen so that the land can be shaken because people are trusting in everything but God and God can't get their attention by allowing them to be comfortable. So I got to shake the world, shake the foundation shake the systems, the financial systems, the education systems, the political systems, nation against nation. I got to shake, but you, I, I, I don't want you to get shook when everybody else gets shook. Uh, but you, what I want you to do, I want you to take courage. Quite interesting when you look at the children of Israel, when they were faced with Egypt and they, Egypt and Pharaoh would not let Israel go, God had to challenge uh, Egypt, but he allowed Israel to be in Goshen and everything that happened to Egypt would not come near and come nigh Goshen, except for one thing, which was the last plague, which was the death of the firstborn. And if they would put the blood on the doorpost, the death angel would have been forced to pass over them. And so you can take courage because even though when the land is reeling and they're promising that there could be a recession, you do not have to be afraid and scared like everybody else is because you're going to take courage. That means you actually have to take it. You can't just allow it to lay around. You can't play around with it. You have to grab courage because that's what God says. We're going to look at the verse again. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. So let that confidence and that courage remind you there's a reward in it for you, for the work that you put in. And so that's going to lead us to this next one. That's going to, the, the third C, that's going to make you be calm, cause you to calm down. Once you've gone through 
trials. Satan doesn't have anything new. There's one scripture said there's nothing new under the sun. He, he, he changes variations, but it's usually the same stuff. So once you've gone through it for some time, you can calm down. You can't, you can not allow everything to really just throw you off the deep end. You can understand this is the season we're in. And I, I can, not that I like it, but I can be calm. I just got a, a message today after waking up that a, a cousin of mine had, had died. Uh, I heard about them having an aneurysm on yesterday, went into prayer for them. They did not make it. This has been a season of death. I don't like it. I'm uh, tired of it, but I'm not going to flip flip out. I'm I'm going to approach things calm. Doesn't mean I won't be saddened that another life is lost. But if I freak out over every death that I hear about, I'm gonna go crazy because we're hearing about death all the time, death on every hand. But. The scripture tells us in Psalms 91, when, when we are under the uh, shadow of Almighty, it says, A thousand shall fall by thy uh, side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. You have to learn how to still approach things with calm because you understand that God is yet in control if I allow him to be in control. So I'm still going to be calm. I'm not going to flip out. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go overboard. And now that I do occasionally drink, now I'm going to start getting drunk. No, I'm not. I still have standards. I have boundaries. I have character. And I'm not trading that in just to be more comfortable. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to take courage. And I'm about to calm myself down because God is still on the throne. He still lives inside of me. So I won't, for sake of time, I, I, I won't give a whole lot of detail to this. We'll just go ahead and read the story. So let's go into the story for this verse, Matthew 8, 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But, here's another but, Jesus was sleeping. One thing that's important to point out, it says suddenly. So it came out of nowhere. And another thing to point out is waves were breaking into the boat. We know about boating is that when waves start coming in the boat, it's a possibility the boat will sink. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up shouting. I love how the scripture really is detailed. They were shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, I will pause and say this, that um, many of Jesus' disciples, not all of them, many of them were fishermen by trade. They spent time on the water. They knew how to swim. We see later on in John that at one point, uh, Peter swims to the resurrected Jesus. So they knew how to swim, but they were in something that was overwhelming, something over their head. And they were like, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. So we have to ask ourselves, how is Jesus sleeping in this? I don't know how the boat was made up. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know if he's getting wet. All I know is he's sleeping and they have to wake him up. But what we do know, and I didn't bring it up uh, for sake of time, even for Sunday. But in the previous verse, he told them we're going to the other side. And so when he got in the boat, he went to sleep on the basis of the word that was spoken. We're going to the other side. So the sudden storm didn't affect him because he understood his destination. He had already spoke his destination. We're going to the other side. Now he'd spoken to the disciples, but they didn't catch it like he called it because he was the word. So he knew when he said it, it had to come to pass. All right. Verse 26, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. It's quite interesting for him to say that to them because it seems like we would know why they are afraid. They're getting ready to drown. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. I pointed this out Sunday and I'll point it out again. It does not say that the storm stopped. But Jesus understands that there's a dip. Some, some storms are necessary. But just because a storm is necessary doesn't mean it has to do more than what it's supposed to do. That's what Satan always does. He always 
tries to do extra. Death is going to happen to us. We're going to lose loved ones. That's part of life. But what Satan wants to do, he wants us to lose death on top of death. He, he wants us not to be able to catch, catch a break. And so the scripture says that Jesus got up. He didn't speak to the storm. He spoke to the wind and to the waves. Because number one, this is not the first time that the disciples had to navigate through a, a storm. They were fishermen, uh, many of them. They knew how to drive the boat. They had been in storms before, but this came suddenly. And it came with great force. It was fierce. And normally when things change suddenly, it's attack of the enemy because it's, it's designed to blindside you. It's designed to hit you where you can't think real quick. It's designed to throw you into a tizzy. But Jesus is showing us how to remain calm. He went to the root of the problem. He spoke to the winds and the waves. I ain't worried about the storm. Storms are normal. Storms happen. But this wind and this waves. See, I, I, I ain't putting up with that. And we have to know that even though we're going through things sometimes that God has allowed, Satan tries to take it to the next level. And sometimes we just got to tell Satan, no, uh-uh, I ain't dealing with that. No, no, not, now I may be on uh, unemployment and I may have be on a fixed income, but stuff ain't about to break down in my house. No, the devil is a lie. I, I take authority over that. And I, last Sunday I talked about the fact that we were without heat something that that the maintenance man who came to service the thing, something that he messed up. The next thing, you know, we were without heat. And he told us that uh, the part that we needed uh, wouldn't be in till Tuesday, and it was going to cost us $400. And I told Lady Devin, no, we're not doing that. Because I remember last year we had a similar issue, and I bought a part that cost $25. So I went back into my Amazon cart or my orders my previous orders and looked at it again and I was like this thing is $25 and it's still $25 tell them no I'm gonna order it and I'm gonna put it in now we're here at Bible study and there's some of us in the building and the heat is on it cost us $25 and not 400 they were trying to take advantage of us and even though God allowed the situation to happen the devil always try to take advantage and sometimes you just got to tell the devil no you got to rebuke the wind and the waves. No, no, I'm not paying that. I'm not doing that. Uh-uh, it's not going to work like that. Sometimes you got to tell your boss, no, this is not my job. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be evil. But once you know things, you can approach things in a calm way and just say, the buck stops here. I'm not doing it. And that's what Jesus did. He looked at the winds and the waves, and he's like, uh-uh, y'all stop. Y'all quit. And immediately, it was a great call. Storm was still there. But the calm came. All right, let's look at verse 27. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. And I will say this to you right now. That man lives on the inside of you. See, the disciples were different. They couldn't have Jesus living on the inside of them. They only had the physical presence of Jesus but he told them, he said, I've got to go so I can send the comforter in my name and he will come on the inside of you. And then the scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the ground lives in you. So, yes, there are some things you're dealing with that are uncomfortable, but you have more power than what the devil wants you to think you have. And this is going to be said of you, Deliverance Temple, who is this man? Who is this woman that things obey them when they speak? It's time for us to start speaking and declaring things. We are going to have confidence. We're going to have courage. And we're going to take some things that are all kinds of chaotic and we're going to bring a calm to them. We're going to start speaking calmness in the air. The devil is a liar in the name of Jesus. Now, just because, like I said, don't call a prayer meeting don't mean you don't need to be having prayer meetings. You need to be having some in the name of Jesus. And let me say this to you, uh, listeners. I do so much that I often don't have the energy for the fervent prayers that sometimes that I used to do when I was younger because I'm, I'm studying. I'm, I'm, I'm doing so much. So I need a church that is praying for me. 
that is calling out my name, that is saying in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood over our pastor. We curse. We, we curse slide offs on the road. Well, I, I need you doing that. And I, and I believe you have because I haven't done as much of that. So I know that my church is actually praying, but I need you to ramp it up a level because that's how we bring a calm into the situation. We many times look at the pastor being there for the people, but we forget that the people are called, called to be there for the pastor. All right, here's the final one. So we have uh, confidence, courage, calm. Here's the final one cheer. And here's why we can cheer up even in bad situations. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken to you that in me ye may or you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. Let me stop for just a second and say at least he told us up front, you will have tribulation. This is Jesus saying it. You look at some versions, it's in red. Jesus said it. It's a promise. You will have tribulation, not you might have tribulation, not every now and then. Now, if you're a bad person, you're going to have a tribulation. If you're a good person, no, you will have tribulation in this world because even though he came, this is still a, <coughs> a fallen world. And if we don't have tribulation, we would never want to go to another world. We'll never care about eternal life. We would just be happy with this. So this world does have to deteriorate, but he doesn't he didn't just leave us with that. These things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But here's another but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So cheer up because I've, I've already worked it out now. Now, the world is still existing, but there's coming a time where God is going to return. He's going to set up his kingdom in the earth. We talk about it every Bible study, just about a new heaven and a new earth. He's like, I've already overcome it. I've already fixed it. So cheer up. It's going to be okay. If I was to tell you that, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to fill this church up with hay, and I need you to move all the hay out to church. But once you get the hay out to church, you get $10 million. There'd be nothing to stop you from getting the hay out to church. I don't care how much hay drops and falls, and I don't care how tired you get. You know if I keep working, I'm going to get $10 million. So, listen, at some point you might start playing in the hay. You get tired, you start resting in the hay. Yeah, yeah, I got to get it out of here. But the reward is so great. So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world will not take you out. The world will not snuff you out. The world will not be able to overcome you. You are more than a conqueror. So smile, saints, smile. All right, the four seasons. Let's close. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, appreciate you. God, we know how to walk in the things you want us to walk in. We know how to abase and to abound. We know how to be on the top, on the bottom. We know how to be in the valley as well as the mountain. And we understand that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. And so we plan on taking, uh, having confidence, taking courage, uh, choosing to be calm and cheering up because you have one, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Much love to you.